Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk 1370. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. Another, uh, what's a, there's a cold front, Jonathan, hit in Austin. <laughs> this is a cold front? It was 104 where I was. Where were you, in the fridge? Well, I think the cold front came through and it dropped it to uh, 97 or oh, 99, right. something like yeah, that. Yeah, I had a, uh, yeah, my electricity went out. So, <laughs> no cold front in my place. That's, uh, that's not good timing for no electricity in Austin. Well, welcome to the show. This is John Massengill. That's uh, Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser. He's not feeling good. Wow. The mayor is down. <laughs> the mayor is down Let's and hope out. hope they don't vote him out. <laughs> he is not feeling well, so he's not going to join us. But we're going to talk some Formula One tonight. We're going to talk some IndyCar because we got we got the winner of the race, Joseph Newgarden, coming on live here in about 20 minutes or so. Immaculate performance, too, I may yeah. add. Uh, I was covering it for BT Sport in the UK and uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant performance. And he really is the rising man uh, at the moment. And the Penske boys, I think, have realized he has arrived yeah, that was a dominating performance this weekend. So we got Joseph coming on here in about 30 minutes, maybe 20. And we're also got a really cool story. We got an interview with Joe Roberts because he's joined the World Championship. Yeah, that's massive news. Uh, America has been waiting for literally three years. Uh, obviously, um, um, PJ Jacobson's been doing an awesome job. Sadly, we've lost Nikki, as we all know. Um, but those two are really the only two flying the flags. We've been waiting for um, somebody to go through the ranks and come up. As, as a youngster, and this guy has done it all. He's the real deal. He's um, started off at 15 as a Red Bull rookie, um, has made his way through the ranks. He's been racing in Spain in the CEV, which everybody says, if you really want to make it, follow Marquez, follow Alex Marquez. You know, the, these are the guys that, that do it right in Spain, and he's done just that, and his bre- and he's got his break because Yoni Hernandez has left AGR um, in Moto2 and allowed Joe Roberts to step up, who was actually working with AGR, um, in the Spanish Championship, and he's got five runs in the Moto Two Championship, most of which are circuits he've ra- he's raced before. So that's good news. Yeah. So th- I mean, this is what Moto America has been hoping for: is to yes. send driver riders from from the American Series over to the World Championship. But hey, and Jonathan, I, I want to st- before we go, we're going to go Joe Roberts' interview here in a little bit. Yep. But I think I want to start the show. Obviously, we got a great F1 weekend to talk about, uh-huh. and obviously IndyCar. But I want to talk about a story that's hit Austin. That's really kind of a negative story from, for about Circuit of the Americas with the IMSA race. 
Yeah, not this, coming back. Yeah, this was what Friday or Friday or Saturday, and uh, the statesman picked it up. And IMSA will not be returning to the circuit of the Americas um, in its regular May format. In fact, it's going to be going to mid Ohio, uh, and of course, they were holding the Indy race, so that's why the news has probably come out today on that. And yeah, I'm uh, you know, any time you lose a race of any sort, it's sad. And IMSA, as, uh, you know, are firing on all cylinders. We've had some great days with the Taylors here. And the Corvettes, um, Aston Martins, you name it. Emsa's been great here. Um, but, um, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, um, I'm kind of torn um, because I think I understand, um, you know, Mid-Ohio perhaps is a better fit for sports car racing. And you, you spoke to Emsa today, right? Exactly. I spoke to the guys, Nate and the, and the team over there at Emsa. And, and really, we talked about maybe coming on the show, but really, the, the, it's a simple statement they released. And let me read this. It says, IMSA will not be returning to the Circuit of the Americas in 2018. IMSA and Circuit of the Americas mutually agreed on the decision, and the two companies continue to have a positive, healthy relationship. Both are working together are, are look are open to working together again in the future. Yeah, and I mean, there's no reason to think that that we couldn't get back on in uh, 219. Um, yeah, and if you remember that the history of it is, we had IMSA and WEC together, and then we had IMSA on its own, and I think that's another part of it. Um, you know, this is a huge facility at the Circuit of the Americas. Um, you know, uh, IMSA on its own is big, and it was a great event, but it's still, you know. Um, it's not a big money maker, and uh, you know, uh, Coda have been quoted as saying just that. You know, it's not not that many fans came, um, and so they've chosen to go to Mid Ohio. It's as simple as that. And you know what? I'm going to read another quote. This is from the actual press release from yesterday. It says, "Mid Ohio Sports Car uh, Course has a long and storied history of hosting world class car races in front of a loyal and knowledgeable." fan base and that was scott atherton from imsa i think the last part of that sentence is a big part of what's going on i think that says it all road america and uh, mid ohio (coughs) excuse me coughing (coughs) um are two like you say very old uh and you're right uh the very learning crowd up there well and i know that's what you know i you know i kind of feel part of it hit me a little bit hard as i was thinking you know that's what we've been trying to do right here on speed city for the last six years five years now is educate austin and talk about what's going on out there. And, and yeah, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of great activity and a lot of people coming out to the races, but we're not to the place where we have a fan base. We're, we're not a race, full-on race city like, like like these other races have. They've got a loyal audience, and that's they said it right there. Yeah, and it's going to take time. I mean, um, exactly. it would take, I mean, you look, look at what, the likes of Watkins Glen, Road America, and all these, they've been going for a long time in Florida, Daytona. You name it. Um, you can't just, you know, you can't just change things overnight. I think it's amazing what they're doing with Formula One and MotoGP, and that is a massive rock to build on. Um, sports car racing, you know, not an easy, never has been um, yeah, an easy point. crowd. Um, and sports car racing, let's remember, was pretty fragmented two or three years ago. So they too are rebuilding their audience, and they've got to go to the heartland of where sports car fans are, and that is Florida, California, and the and, and the Northeast. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I love the fact that they're saying that they're open, and I hope they do come back. And maybe there isn't, there isn't one driver in IMSA that doesn't like driving uh, Coda. I yeah. can assure you that part we know for sure. I mean, and I know drivers do tend to say they love where they're racing that weekend. We had Patrick Lindsay on last weekend from from Dallas saying just how much he loves racing there. So Ex- you know exactly. So that's uh, we're going to obviously follow that and see, but. Uh, but, you know, before we move on to Formula One, I want to talk about the World Endurance Championship that's coming here. Yep. 
and in September, and we're very excited about that. But we had a little bit of a blow there, too. Yeah, um, the news coming through this week that Porsche will be pulling out of the World Endurance Championship, uh, following hot on the heels of Audi, obviously, pulling out at the beginning of the season. And if you know anything about uh, World Endurance, there is only three manufacturers in LMP1, Toyota, Porsche, and Audi. With Audi gone, yep, it was a straight fight between Porsche and Toyota, and that's pretty cool because Porsche have been world champions, uh, Toyota have been world champions, and Audi have dominated for the last decade. Um, It was sustainable with two of them and a few privateer entries. Um, Now... Got to ask the question, um, because Porsche have decided to go, interestingly enough, to Formula E. Um, and now Formula E is starting to look more and more robust. Uh, clearly, every news story, if you read the news stories in the car newspapers, everybody's gearing up by possibly some European countries by 2040, completely electric. So certainly there's a lot of ambition out there to turn the world on its head when it comes to the automobile. Uh, and go fully on electric. It's happening, guys. Um, we've said it all along. Uh, you can't, you can't um, change the future. You, you know what? Yeah. You can't change progress. It's happening. Uh, you might be an old combustion fool like me, um, and you still love all those the roar of the engines. But I'm afraid progress is progress. And look at what Formula E have. You know, a lot of people when they started said it couldn't be done and it wouldn't make it. Now, not only are there big teams, but there are big manufacturers, and more importantly, they're the automobile. Uh, manufacturers Porsche, um, Mercedes have also joined up. It's, you know, it's starting to look like this is very much the future. Well, there's no doubt that it's the future of the road car. I think that if anybody doubted that, I think 2017 has really proved it. I think with the announcement by Volvo that they're going to have, they're not going all electric, but they're saying, but within like two years, they're going to, every car they sell is either going to be electric or hybrid. In other words, no internal combustion only cars within the next either two or three production years. And then and Tesla just the, launched that $30,000. I was just about to say, okay. have you seen the reviews of the Tesla Model 3? They I know, look awesome. I, I read an article yesterday on Motor Trend, and I think it was Johnny Lieberman, but they, he talked about these, I mean, he the expletives about how amazing the car handled yeah. the Model 3. It was just, he was like, this car is phenomenal, like way above what he imagined. And we're talking about a car that handles... You know, and this is a very preliminary first drive, but he was just saying, he was like, this is a world-changing car. And I was like, wow. I want to bring back Matt in here. Uh, Matt, you, 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 I know that know this story, but I'm, I'm looking into your sort of age group. We always bring your age into it, but you are a lot long, younger than us. But you're looking at the electric car now, and $70,000 is, is way out of your league, per se, at 19 or 20. Um, and... Now it's starting to, and Prius is just not a cool car for a young person, <laughs> right? But, but what I'm saying is they're now marketing, Elon Musk is, is marketing a car that is aspiring for a youngster. Um, it's 30 grand, still expensive, but it's, it, it's certainly, if I were your age now, that's what I'd be looking at. That's where I'd be saying, that's what I want. I want to be cool, but also thoughtful of the environment and so on. I mean, I mean you tell yeah, me. you tell us. Oh, for sure. Um yeah, I, I, like what you were saying with uh, London going all electric with 2040. I mean, eventually that's going to be Bieber only choice for some uh, some cool, interesting car to drive and stuff like that. And um, I think a lot of companies now say like uh, Acura or Honda with the NSX, mm-hmm. um, that hybrid technology is really trickling down a lot. So, you know, before it used to just be in the McLaren P1, the LaFerrari in uh, all those hypercars, but uh, I think before we know it, it'll be uh, 
it'll trickle down um, a lot more than we think. Well, let me ask you just straight up. Right now, you've got $35,000 budget, however you get there, a loan uh-huh. or whatever. You know, would the Tesla be on your list or would it be, you know, and it's hard to say, you know, only new versus used. But if you had thirty five grand, would it be on the list or at least consider or would it be a used, you know, GTR or Corvette or Porsche? M5 or or a- yeah. You know, um, I am still 19 years old, so uh, I think I would maybe consider the uh, the Corvette or, you know, something like that sure. first. But um, sure, give it 10, 15 years. Um, yeah, I, that's, that's a lot. Maybe uh, 5, 10. I would, I would definitely consider it. Um, one thing that people don't realize about electric cars is that they think they're just, you know, lots of... Uh, they think it's more about economics, but the... Tesla is actually quite a fast car because um, yeah. electric motors. Ludic- ludicrous comes to mind. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean they have massive torque from low down, which is very good for going fast. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's going to be interesting and it's going to be played out. Going back to where we started with WEC, um, it's an important few months for them. I mean, it's a blow, um, but it's not the end of anything by any means. What about Nissan? Remember Nissan, Nissan was still around, right. yeah, uh, and Toyota well, haven't actually come out with what they're going to do. I can't see Toyota taking on themselves. But too Nissan much. was, they were all but in, remember? Yes, they were, what, yeah. A couple of years ago. So, you know. I, I, and I also think that uh, WEC should take a lot of credit for helping the likes of Formula E develop because it was yep. their technology, frankly, or at least... That's a really um, good point. You know, um, this is where the hybrid technology that, that we see now, both in Formula One and in uh, WEC and, in, of course, in Formula E, this is where people were, were, were investing early, Audi, um, Toyota, and um, Porsche. Um, and so a lot of credit goes to, or should go to, uh, the World Endurance Championship for, you know, literally leading the way all right well we're going to go and take a break when we come back stay tuned because we're going to jump all feet first into formula one it was a great race this weekend Uh, we've got our european correspondent inga streka we did an interview with her just a few minutes ago we've got that and uh, lots of clips from the drivers so stay tuned listen to speed city live in austin texas Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Ambi Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambi Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambi Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. 
Get breaking news, exclusive contests, and more delivered right to your inbox. I like knowing things. Join the Right Choice Club at Talk1370.com and you'll be in the know. Just go to Talk1370.com and click on the Right Choice Club from Talk 1370. The Right Choice. Talk 1370, The Right Choice. Hello, I'm Felipe Massa and this is Speed City. Felipe Massa. That's kind of relevant. Um, Felipe Massa missing the race today. I don't know exactly what was... He had a he fever. Was dizzy. He was dizzy. He was dizzy, yeah. Disorientated. Yeah, he was dizzy both at the end of qualifying and I, then... That's happened to yeah. me in Budapest. <laughs> it's usually late at night in a nightclub somewhere, but... <laughs> I think it was probably a little different scenario. Shaken not stirred a little too much in Budapest. <laughs> he was definitely shaken because he couldn't drive and Paul DeResta. Paul DeResta, yeah. How about this for a story? Paul DeResta came in for Martin Brundle... Who, and we were talking oh, about yeah. Paul DeResta this time last week. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Paul DeResta came in for Martin Brundle, who was ill, to replace him as the commentator for Sky Sports, hence therefore being on site rather than being uh, with the BBC. He then, he then take, gets told that Mass is out and he didn't even have his... I mean, you know, he wouldn't be carrying his helmet, um, but he, you know, he hasn't driven a Formula One car since 2013. He was a Force India car driver, remember? Yeah. Uh, DTM champion, and um, in fact, he'd won at the uh, Hungaro in, in uh, DTM. But boy, to you know, remember, big tires... Faster cars. Yeah. I mean, wow. G-forces, yeah. you know, considerably higher from when he was driving. And Kimmy wasn't impressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy doing? He should stick to reporting. <laughs> you know, we actually have that clip. We'll play it here in a minute. But good yeah, stuff. That, that was amazing, really, if you think about it. Because he didn't crash. He didn't. He, he did a good job. He did a good job. So it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. But well, let's talk about the race. Obviously, Ferrari won two and... You know, it was. It looked a little bit interesting at the beginning of the race. I said, "Okay, they're going to run away with this." And but with the problems that that uh, Vettel's steering wheel apparently was having, uh, you thought, "Oh, you know, he's going to tear up the front tires and not be able to finish the race." But- I still want to know how that happens and how we go from the warm up lap to him with a broken. St- I just don't get that. I know. I'm thinking of the half a you know zillion dollar car. Yeah. And and it's not like the old days where you could just you know bend a steering rod. It's carbon fiber. It's not, yeah, it doesn't uh, yeah. bend. It's so well, what was it? I don't know what the problem was, but I I thought for sure that they were going to tear up the tires and not be able to finish the race and make it interesting. And they were slowing down for sure because Hamilton and Botas were catching them. But of course, Ferrari ends up one two Vettel and Raikkonen. But what about Raikkonen? He could have made this weekend a lot different. Yeah, it, it was um, it was a thinking man's game today, and what I mean by that is it was all to do with DRS. A lot of it because Raikkonen kept a certain distance away from his teammate and kept a certain distance ahead uh, of those chasing Mercedes. And at one point, Mercedes decided that um, Botas was not in in as good a position or tire position uh, as Lewis. And Lewis knew he could go faster. Lewis had problems with his radio, but they swapped them uh, and Lewis went in pursuit. Uh, of the um, Ferraris and just wasn't able to to get close enough to attack Kimi Raikkonen. So Raikkonen really deserves a bit of a medal and he got driver of the day. But um, it, it was an interesting drive because Vettel was kind of 
limping somewhat because of that problem you just mentioned. Uh, and Raikkonen was there to protect him. And um, it was interesting that we saw something in Formula One we don't often see. We saw teammates helping each other um, in, a, in a true battle of manufacturers today. Uh, so in other words, uh, Raikkonen helped Vettel to a victory, uh, despite all the Finnish fans there. And there's no question that Botas helped Lewis and Lewis helped Botas because he re- 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 repaid the favour and let him pass to get the podium. Yeah, and I think that there was chatter on Twitter and everything. It's like, wow, dude, I can't believe uh, Hamilton let him back, but or let him through. But look, he gave it the position to begin with. He probably would have never passed him. I know that Hamilton's probably a faster driver, but those cars are too close on that track. I don't think that he would have ever passed him. And you know what? I take you back to Spain last year when both Hamilton and Rosberg uh, crashed into each other. And you could argue that, you know, uh, it, it made the championship chase that much harder um, and allowed the others to catch up quicker. So uh, actually keeping everybody in the game, and I'm talking Botas here, uh, three points was the only thing that he gave away. And yeah, sure, if he loses the championship by three points, it'll be a bit of a bugger, as they say. Um, but the truth is, I think having Botas there, the team don't know which, which driver is actually going to compete for the title, uh, but having both of them in contention against both Ferraris, which clearly are going to be there, and both Red Bulls, and who knows, Alonso might pop up out of nowhere, out of his deck chair. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think I think it was a good day for sport today, and I think uh, Hamilton's not done himself any harm. What about Verstappen crashing into Ricardo? What do well, you think? that, yeah, to me... I agreed with the 10-second penalty, absolutely. I, I mean, I know it wasn't crazy blatant, but it just looked like he was trying to do too much there. To be honest, you know, what do they say? Cry wolf and, you know, uh, long enough. I mean, the thing is, Verstappen has been a very ultra-aggressive driver uh, since he started in Formula yep. 1, not not but two years ago. Every week he has been. Yes, he has. And uh, to be honest, Ricardo summed it up. It was, a, it was a bit of immaturity on his part. That said... Um, he too was kind of pushed out of the way. He was trying to regain position and he got to a part of the road where he just literally ran out of road, couldn't turn in, locked up the car. It slid wide, just happened to be his teammate there. That was the last thing he intended to do. Um, but the truth of the matter is, if you're Red Bull Racing, if you're Christian Horner, you're saying we had two cars there capable of winning the race. He got a 10 second penalty and by the end of the race, he was all over the back of them all. So therefore put him 10, year, 10 seconds up the road and what might have been. And likewise, Ricardo was very confident of a, of a victory. So it's a, it's a big bow for the Red Bull team. Let's play that clip. with uh, it's, This is from uh, NBC, but it's Max Verstappen and, and uh, Ricardo. Not the day that it should have been and all was on that first lap. Talk us through that moment with Daniel from your perspective. So yeah, I, I think I was put in that position after turn one where I got pushed on the Astro turf. Um, and then, yeah, we both went deep into turn two. And uh, I had, of course, Bottas in front of me. So I locked the front. And then I tried to keep it to the inside, but I just kept locking, locking, locking. And, of course, then, unfortunately, I touched Daniel. You're never going to get that place back in, in turn two the way it was. So just over-ambitious. That's, that's youth. That's youth. So just literally blaming it on inexperience more than anything else. Um, well, that, that sounds too nice. It's, it's, it's not that. Probably immaturity. Of course, very unfortunate. Of course, not what I want. And also, you know, sorry to Daniel for that because I think we always had a very good relationship and I think we showed before that we could race really well together. So, yeah, this was the, never my intention to do, of course. I would have loved to race today and, you know, just it didn't need to be done. 
couple things. First of all, I, I feel like these guys like Verstappen should own it a little more. I really do. I want them to own that a little more. I, I you know, it depends on how he really feels about it. But I, he basically. What was, do you think he should have said? Yeah, I think he should have said, "Hey, that's my fault. I I went in too deep, and I took out." My teammate. I think he should say it. To be honest, uh, and there is one thing I know from being a sportsman, it doesn't have to be rider racing, but come, you know, payback is a B-I-T-C-H because the truth of the matter is you, everybody gives you a a hall pass uh, now and again. Everybody knows that a young buck is a young buck. It's the same in every sport, whether you're a linebacker or a quarterback or a racing driver. You know, you make mistakes, you're a rookie, you're ambitious, that's good. You've got to take speed, raw speed, raw aggression, and you've got to hone it. You've got to hone it into the finished article, which he is not yet. There's no question that Max Verstappen, everybody says it, will be a world champion very soon. But what happens when the rest of the field start to gang up on you, including your teammate, is that you don't get the breaks that a Massa might get or a, a, you know, or a Hulkenberg might might get. (laughs) That might be the wrong expert. (laughs) But but you know what I'm saying? Grosjean, right? Good good example, example. right? Grosjean, for the first year he was in, everybody said, get rid of this guy. And it got very serious at Spa when he went over the top of Alonso. And everybody said, this guy's got to calm down. Now, he has calmed down. He has matured. He's a lot older now. He's the the complete article. And he's driving very, very well. But that, you know, so that's sport. And what I think Ricardo was actually saying in a very clever way was, you know, actually, mate, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you could make those mistakes, but the more you make them, the less we're going to be forgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's true, and I—that's why I say I think you should own it. I think I think you're right. And uh, so, speaking of owning it, I, I want to play this. <laughs> I want to play this this clip because um, this is Kimi Raikkonen, of course. <laughs> and we talked about it earlier in the show because Paul DeResta, who stepped out of the broadcast booth onto the racetrack. It did a phenomenal job, all things considered. But but Kimi had a little different take on this. Let's hear Kimi on DeResta. Hey, what the f- is this really? I mean, if they cannot say, yeah, yeah, if they cannot say if we have, then he should stay in the reporting stuff or not. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kimmy. Uh, yeah. Say say how you feel, Kim. No, but really, how do you feel, Kimmy? No, so, I mean really. So how do you feel? The reason I played that is because that's what I want. That's what I want for Stappen. Learn from Kimmy, just say the truth. Just own yep. it either way. Uh, he does own it. I'll I'll give him that. Yeah. So Tough, tough words. But then again, you see, payback is, as I said, next week, Paul's in the uh, Paul's in the BBC booth, and uh, yeah, he'll be able to give his opinion on Kimmy's driving. It'll so be good. The next thing I want to talk about, we cannot even play the clip. Because, <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're talking the Hulk <laughs> yes, versus Hulk. the Magnum. <laughs> yeah, when, when Magnuson uh, very obviously pushed Hulkenberg off the track, uh, I mean, you agree, right? There was no doubt. That yeah, he, yes, he did. Um, but having said that, Hulkenberg's the guy that took Grosjean out on the first corner remember remember yeah there you go just like you were talking about yeah. <laughs> good to Steiner has said has come in out in the press tonight and said i defend my driver uh, wholeheartedly um you know and what was interesting is that hulkenberg wandered over to the media scrum you know with a square uh, afterwards and uh, basically said yeah good job being the most unsporting driver out there today at which point mr magnuson said hey <laughs> I think we, can't even, we can't even allude we, we, to it. We can't even say that. But it had something to do with what makes him go fast and Hulkenberg possibly delicatessing on them. How about that? 
I think you did it. I think you got it. I think you got the point across. Yeah. That is, uh, but that's that's what I want. I want more of that. So, come on, Verstappen. Pay attention to, to your boys out there. Okay. So, don't tell him, no pun intended there. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> hey, what about Alonzo and McLaren and Honda? So, you know they have a big bowl uh, in Budapest. <laughs> after the, it's one of the biggest bowls uh, in the whole of Hungary on the night of the. No, no, Inga's going the tonight. Balls. Okay. So I'm yeah, sure. it's fantastic. Beautiful. Everybody dresses up in their finest, <laughs> right on the Danube. There, it's absolutely beautiful. I've been. All right, moving right along. Al- Alonso finished the race. Oh, awesome. And his teammate finished the race. Uh, McLaren scored double points. I.e., two both their drivers in the yeah. points, and, and more importantly, fastest lap. Fastest lap. That is, I mean, after all that's been going on for the last three seasons, effectively, and with all the talk about Fernando Alonso leaving uh, both McLaren, Honda, and even Formula One, um, he pulls out the fastest lap of the race, which still doesn't change because, he, you know, in a straight line, they were still the slowest car. So it just shows you how well he was driving because Hungary is, is, like he says, Monaco, Hungary, Singapore, Maybe yeah, yeah. one other, but Monza. Uh, uh-uh, you won't see him in the top ten there. That's a huge story. And you remember last week when uh, the, one of the Mercedes engineers, like chief uh, uh, drivetrain engineer, was saying, "Be careful, be warned that Honda and McLaren are not done." And he said that last week. Yep, and he was right. So, well, and they did qualify top seven. Um, so they're you know they're, it's improving, and there's reliability now. They're not losing out on reliability. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break because when we come back, we're probably going to get. Our IndyCar winner, Joseph Newgarden, on live. Listen to Speed City from Austin, Texas, back after these messages. racetrack it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance such are the nameplates you'll find at aston martin of austin lotus of austin bentley austin and rolls royce motorcars austin exotic iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride highway 183 north of mcneil road Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin. It is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused. But there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. 
Get the latest business news from CNBC. Weekday mornings at 6.30 and 8.30 and weekday afternoons at 12.30, 4.30 and 5.30. We make you smarter. Hopefully it'll also make you some money. Stay connected with Talk 1370, the right right choice. Roger Hayden, Factory Yoshimura Suzuki. This is Speed City. All right, boys. Uh, there's a couple more F1 clips. I know we, we got some more stuff to cover, but there's a couple more F1 clips that I want to play because it's just this race. I know it's weird that it was dominated by Ferrari the whole race, really, but it was such a great race with all the little things going on. Oh, there was plenty the going on. So there's a couple clips here that I want to play. One of them being, uh, let, let's play the Alonzo clip about the fastest lap because okay, cool. it's such a cool thing. That this, you know, well, I, after whatever exactly, has gone on, yeah, exactly. Let's hear from Alonzo. Fernando, the, the, the history books will record at the 2017 Hungarian Grand Prix, Fernando Alonso in a McLaren Honda had the fastest lap of the race. I know this is supposed to be a good weekend for you guys, but were you expecting that? I think uh, the fastest lap was a little bit unexpected, so, so let's, uh, we take it. Uh, let's enjoy these um, uh, little moments, and, uh, and hopefully we come back after the summer break a little bit stronger. Yep, a little stronger. I tell you what, it's a very important summer break, both for Honda, McLaren, and Fernando. Fernando holds the cards. Um, there's a lot of decision-making, um, and I've been kind of ruminating on this one. Um, you know, we've talked about this over the season. What is he going to do? If Honda don't improve, um, what are his choices? Possibly Renault, possibly Sauber, nah. Uh, possibly staying where he is, and the signs of today, and let's see what happens... I mean, let's see what happens at Spa and Monza, which are two much faster tracks. And let's yeah, just that's see. that's a good point. I think he's going to give it till September. And he's been using literally that September word um, since May, since he was at the Indy 500. Um, and the final option, obviously, would be to get out of Formula One. And I, I, and I don't see that as a downside because, you know, I, Alonso's such a good champion and such, a, a, um, you know, a storied uh, hero, as it were. I don't think he needs to worry about Formula One. He's a bit like Kimi. He can yeah. go and come back. Uh, and, and that's what Kimi's done. And uh, I think Alonso could take a year off in, um, in Indy. I mean, I think he's going to end up in Indy because I think he enjoyed it and he, by his own admission. And I think, but, the, you know, he's 36 yesterday. Um, he's got a long, long career ahead yet. Uh, and I think he still wants to do something at the top of Formula One. Um, I still, I've said it all along, I still think he's the best driver in Formula One and not to take anything away from Lewis or Rosberg or anybody else or Vettel, um, I'd like to see him in equal, you know, equal opportunity as it were because I think the Vettels and, and, and Hamiltons would have to work a little harder. Well, I'll tell you what, the step that they took this weekend, Honda McLaren, I mean, that's a big, that's a bigger step than I could have imagined. You know, with, with Van Dorn also points, six, yep. six points. Yeah, Van Dorn looking good and fastest lap. I mean, all combined, that's a pretty big step. Like you said, they got to prove it on faster tracks and they have to prove the reliability because that's been the biggest Achilles heel is they haven't had a reliable engine. Yeah. So if they can continue their reliability and obviously the, the car is pretty fast now. I mean, what? Sixth place. That's that is getting there. And and where, where did Van Dorn finish? I think tenth. ninth, tenth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I said last week on the show about the uh, Japanese embarrassment, this is finally something to at least take some solace from and make it, you know, not a suicidal mission. They do see some light at the end of the tunnel now. Uh, and I think Honda, given their pride and given their history of racing, uh, not, not just in Formula One, but across the board, um, are going to really use this. I, I tell you what, they're not going to be sitting on a beach in a deck chair, I can assure you. <laughs> but R&D and Honda, nah <laughs> Yeah. 
And, uh, well, speaking of 10th place, 11th place are Haas Boys. And uh, you know what? We just heard from the producer that we have our guest on the line. So we're going to come back to Formula One discussion here in a minute. But we want to welcome to the show the winner of today's race in IndyCar Mid-Ohio, Joseph Newgarden. Welcome back to Speed City. <laughs> How you doing? We're just trying to set up our chair in here. but uh, You, you, you go right ahead. You take a seat. You you deserve a seat after today. We we do have regular guests on the show, but we never usually have them back-to-back like like this week. So we're delighted. That's a good thing, you know. If we're talking, it's always a good thing. We had a good day. No, no real mistakes around Mid Ohio. Um, so happy. We're we're pretty happy to see Penske did. I got to ask you because I think, and and I, you won't have heard the commentary yet, but um, you, you even took the commentators on NBC uh, saying both of them saying that was probably the best overtake they've ever seen at Mid Ohio. Take me through it because it was special, and you got past not only your teammate but a guy who doesn't let any. He lets his elbows out pretty wide. It's hard to get past Willpower. Tell me how you did it. He's a uh, he's a tough Australian. Let me tell you. You know, I uh, I love Will. He's been it's been so much fun being everyone's teammate. It's it's tough because you know we have a good relationship. We're all buddies, but you know you want to kick these guys' butts. Well, well, you were until you took the championship lead, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I mean it's it's going to get tougher here. Look, we're gonna it's going to struggle with be friends until the end of this championship. But you know the thing that made that pass worked was that Will gave me room. You know he knew that I was yeah. uh, a teammate, so that that always makes you a little bit more cautious um you know for me i thought if he if he opened the door back up again i'm gonna make the move and, and he let me have room on the inside and that really allowed it to happen he just he ran me hard but he didn't run me too hard to where i couldn't make it work so uh you know it's a lot a lot on will as well making that move work i i asked you this and we talked a little bit about it last time tim Sindrick obviously is I mean, you know, we, we've been talking about Formula One today. Having an engineer that you both know is one of the best in the world uh, and somebody you could trust. It seems to me, I know it's only your first year, but it seems to me like you two have clicked uh, and that you have a trust and a respect for him. And likewise, it goes both ways. Uh, and, you know, just in listening to your interviews and stuff, it sounds like you really uh, have got each other dialed in and respect each other when it comes to making these calls. Yeah, I would say so. That's that's the best part about the relationship is that, you know, when, when I say something on the radio, Tim, you know, takes it for what I say. You know, he doesn't second guess me in the car. He goes, that's what the driver's telling me. So he, he listens and they they understand and they accept the information. And then on the flip side, when Tim's telling me something, I just listen. You know, he tells me to do something, I do it. And I trust that, you know, Tim on the timing stand along with the other guys. You got Brian, my engineer, and a lot of other guys on the stand. I trust that their information, what they what they need me to do, is the right thing. So it, it's it's a great rapport that we have. They're the best in the business for sure. You know, having Tim gives me immense confidence. So uh, yeah, that relationship's been really good this year for us. Joseph, I got to ask you. I think it's what two, a little over two years since the last time an American led the championship. That's got to make you feel good. It's very exciting. <laughs> It's great, you know. I mean, uh, I've never, I've never, I guess, uh, looked too far into the to the nationality game, you know. But there's a certain level of pride, I think. You know, with IndyCar fans, this is a predominant North American championship, so there's always going to be a little bit of pull for the Americans within the series, and it's, it's always good to have Americans doing well. I think it's it's normal for that, and, and we need it for the series to, to thrive. But what makes the series great is we have the best of the best from all over the world. So you need to have strong Americans doing well. 
but we want to have the best guys from all over the planet racing in this series too. So there's a good mix, and uh, like you said, you know, being an American leading in the series, it's 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 not a bad thing. So I'm I'm happy about it. No, I completely agree. You know, being here at Austin with Formula One, I, I, we we you know get to meet drivers from all over the planet. But you said it as being able to race against those guys and beat them. That just proves the proves the series itself, the strength of IndyCar. Yeah, you're right. I mean, look, I wouldn't want to race in a championship that was just American drivers. I'd want to get, okay, we got the best Americans in the series, but we also have some of the best drivers from England. We got some of the best from Australia. We got some of the best from Japan, you know, all over Europe. You want to have the best guys that you can find. And um, it makes it feel, you know, a lot more special when you're beating some of the best from around the world. So, yeah, we got to have good Americans. We want the best the best from, from our, our homegrown states. But, uh, you know, after that, we also want to have the best around the world. I got to ask you, Joe. When you got out the car, um, your first interview, you said you felt like if they keep giving you a car this good because it was good on the primary and on the optional tire, um, that you could go for the championship. Now, now that the dust has settled a little bit, do you? I mean, I know you're leading, but it's a long way to go. But looking ahead to Pocono and the other tracks ahead, do you still feel that confident? A couple of hours after the race, now that that really you've got a package here that can go all the way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I tell people, look, I when I show up to a racetrack. I feel like I can win. You know, it doesn't matter what racetrack it is. They always say, how are you feeling about going into this race? And I go, well, I think we can go win the race, you know, and you always go in with that attitude. So with, you know, with that mindset, I feel great about the championship. I think anything can happen. You know, of course, we can have some bad races and lose the championship. That's possible. But, you know, if we stay out of trouble and we stay consistent and we keep building cars like we're building like like today at Mid-Ohio, then we're, we're going to be just fine. We just need to keep our heads down and keep doing this. And, we got everything it takes to win the championship. So you don't know how it's going to play out. It always gets tricky on these last couple of races, trying to keep everything in line. But if it all lines up for us, I think we've absolutely got a shot to win it. And I know you're a pretty honest guy. I mean, it is year one at Penske. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot to learn. Um, you've learned very quickly. Back-to-back wins says it all. Uh, but, you know, this is a company of 400 people and, you know, some very good drivers alongside you. What out of your game do you want to up? Is there a part of the the learning as, as the weekend goes on, whether it be data, whether it be racecraft, anything that you want to work on to improve on as the years, you know, as, the, as, you, as you get more experience with this? I think qualifying is the one thing that, you know, we'd like to get slightly better. You know, we're not qualifying bad. You know, we qualified second today, but, you know, we missed it by just a little bit. Will pipped us. He had a great lap. And, you know, I think that we'd like to see that reverse. We'd like to get a couple poles ourselves on the, on the two-car side. And, you know, with that's going to come some experience. I think, uh, you know, you from the outside, it's very easy to say, well, you're with Team Penske now. They're, they're arguably the best team in the series. So everything should just line up. It should be easy. But... You know, when you come in as a new driver and you're learning a new group, even with Team Penske, it takes time to learn all these individual tracks. I mean, everything's so specialized nowadays in IndyCar that you need a notebook for every single racetrack you go to. I had that notebook in the past. I had built it over five years with ECR. And, you know, I knew what we were doing when we went to each racetrack, why we were going in the direction we were. I didn't have that with Team Penske this year. We're kind of building that notebook. So, if we're having success early, I think that bodes well for the future because I believe that the more time that we have together, the better we're going to get. You know, speaking of Team Penske, after your performances, you got to be, you got to, I think you got to be looked at as maybe the best driver in the Penske garages. I mean, I know you're not going to say that because you're too humble of a guy right now, but I mean, look, you've got, uh, you got the credentials right now. Wow, we, you know, certainly in the races, I, we, I live for racing these Indy cars on a Sunday. You know, I, it's, it's just, 
it's my favorite part of the weekend, and I, I love you know having to do multiple tire stints. Uh, you know, you have to you have to work the fuel numbers, you have to work the strategy, you got to be you know really really calculated. You have to be consistent. I, I love racing these cars on on race days, so that's my favorite part of it. Um, we've been good this year. You know, I, I don't know that we've been the best at all the facets with within the team. There's you know I think some of the other guys have been better than us. You know, certainly on you look at qualifying, we've not been the best guy. You know, we've been good, but we've not been the best. So, race day is, has been our strength, and you know, it's really the most important thing to have as a strength. You want to be good in, on on pole day, but being good in the race that's what really counts. So, we're going to try and up that qualifying level. Hopefully, we can match our teammates and, and be more well rounded, and that would be that would be perfect for us. Well, Joe, as we know it's been a long day. We'll let you go. Uh, last two things, though. Are you doing the test uh, this week? And, well, l- l- how are you going to keep that PPG colors mm-hmm. on the car? Because you say you're friends with all the other guys, but that's the car that seems to be the luck thing for you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to be arguing over who gets to drive the <laughs> Simon had three wins with it last year. I think Juan won a race in it as well. So it's a very popular car. You know, it seems to have something about it. Um, I think we have it two more times from the end of the year. So 50% of the last four races, we're going to have the PPG cars. So hopefully that means something, you know, that it's going to bring us some more luck. Uh, I'm not testing this week. You know, we, I think we tested in Gateway with Elio. And then Juan Pablo is going to be doing the, the 2018 IndyCar test here in Mid-Ohio. And I just read Sebastian Bourdais testing tomorrow yep. at Ohio, which is uh, pretty news. impressive. You know, there's a lot going on, but I, I got two weeks off. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Well, you enjoy it, my friend. I think you've uh, deserved a break. Did the captain say anything to you afterwards? He doesn't say much, but I would have thought whatever he does <laughs> say is, is always interesting. Man, he's great. Roger was happy today. You know, it's it's good whenever whenever one of these cars wins a race, Roger's happy, and that's really our goal. If it's not me, I always hope it's me winning the race, but if it's not, then it has to be one of the three other cars. And if it's a Team Penske car winning, Roger is the happiest guy in the world. So, yeah, he just said good job. You guys had a good day, and, and whenever he says that, you see him smile, it, it means the world. Well, listen, as the token Englishman here in the States, I'm delighted to have an American leading the IndyCar Championship <laughs> finally. So well done, my friend. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joseph Newgarden. Appreciate you coming back on Speed City. Congratulations on today's win and leading the championship. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. See you guys. He's a heck of a nice he's guy. He's a good boy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And I'll right. tell you what, his confidence. I mean, he's the real deal. You know, you talk about owning it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there, wasn't, there wasn't the question. He didn't dodge any of those questions. Um, and I do honestly believe he's a man who believes in his talents, and he's finally got a team around him. It's the old, old story. You know, when you're with good people, and they give you good equipment, and you're confident that you can deliver for them, the, the you know, the world's your oyster type thing. You know, think about what you just said. Think of the interviews that we heard today yeah. from, from the Formula One grid versus Joseph <laughs> Newgarden. Now, admittedly, he's just on Speed City. He's not on NBC. And uh, not on, it doesn't matter. I, I think so. I think you're right. I don't think it matters. But think of the difference. He is calm and confident, and and he does own it, and he's not hiding, not pulling punches. He'll nope. say whatever you ask him. Yep, it's good. I think it's a big difference. And I'll tell you, Indy as a series is delightful, honestly. The, I mean, the first 20 laps of Mid-Ohio today mm. were just, I mean, I was, you know, doing the pundit role today. I couldn't get a word in. It was like, <laughs> it was just too much action. Um, and anybody could have won that race. And right down to the last 10 laps, there was certainly nothing clear about it. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more Formula One. We're going to talk. We're going to have that interview with Joe Roberts, who's yeah. jump, jumping into the World Championship from Motor America on two wheels. Back after these messages. Coming to ya. 
Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorised technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Keep up with the latest breaking news in Austin and around the world. Take a moment to make sure you're following us on Twitter at Talk1370. Let the tweeting begin! Just one more way to stay connected with Talk1370. The right choice. You've made the right choice. Talk1370. This is Magnus Walker. Greetings from downtown LA and thanks for tuning in to Speed City. Keep Austin weird and get out and drive. Pedal to the metal. I got to say, when I saw him, I was walking through the Formula One paddock a few years ago and Magnus Walker was sitting over there and I thought, is that a homeless guy? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a very rich guy with a lot of Porsches. But if you've ever seen him, he's got dreadlocks and, you know, he's just sitting there in jeans. And I was like, what's that guy doing in the paddock? And I thought... And then you, you know, you can just tell sometimes you look at him, but you know, you know what? That guy looks like he's got some confidence. But anyway, he's, he's a crazy looking guy. Hey, um, speaking of crazy looking, Jonathan, you were, uh, you were on the phone while ago when I walked in and you were looking pretty crazy, but you were talking to Inga Strecka. That's right. And so, so we recorded that interview. Inga is our Formula One correspondent from she Europe. She was at the race this weekend. Yeah, and she was at Hungary. So let's play this, uh, this little interview you did with Inga. Hungarian Grand Prix as ever and our lady on the ground was there of course Inga Strecker and um, a brilliant weekend in many ways especially for Ferrari obviously but a lot of good stories coming out some nice sportsmanship um, as well Um, first and foremost Inga what's your overall impression of the race itself amazing absolutely amazing I mean, it started with huge traffic jams in the morning, which is not so amazing. But we haven't, we haven't had that in eight years. There was over 100,000 around the Hungara ring. That had not, had not been the case for a long, long time. The atmosphere was brilliant. There was a lot of Finnish fans traditionally here, a lot of Dutch fans, the Verstappen fans, and they were, like, celebrating. They were enjoying. And although the Hungarian Grand Prix normally is not really one to be the most exciting... I think the race was exciting and thrilling from start to finish. What do you think about the first incident uh, involving the Dutchman uh, Verstappen uh, and his teammate Ricardo? Well, I, um, I'll, I'll quote Ricardo. He said there was immature, it was amateur, and um, 
And I think David Coulthard said, it seems that for Stuppen, um, when he when when the teammate is in front of him, he throws the toys out of the pram. So uh, basically, Ricciardo was saying he cannot deal with me being in front of him and then he needs to fix that without patience. But for Stuppen apologised directly in the media and on Twitter and on social media. So I think fair enough, you know, people make mistakes, apologise, done. Yeah, fair enough. Now, there was obviously lots going on at the front. Uh, it was an intriguing battle of wits in many ways because Vettel had a problem with his car. Uh, Raikkonen was kind of, I suppose, playing a holding role or at least trying to protect him. Um, but I, what I couldn't understand is why don't you think uh, Kimi went for the win? Nah, I think that was Ferrari policy. I think it was clear from the get-go. And um, they, you know, Vettel is leading the championship Vettel is set to um, fight for the title. And actually, Kimi said, after the race, we have a team plan and um, I'm a team player and that's um, how we did it. Unfortunately, I couldn't give all these Finnish fans um, a victory, but um, at least we're both on the podium. Um, and I think it was um, 2013 that Kimi had won last, something like that. So um, he could have he could have really done this and especially here with all these Finnish fans mainly Kimi fans although Bottas doing brilliantly as well it would have been massive it would have been maniac um, there would have been more water than more vodka than water flowing I think tell me about the German impression or the Mercedes impression your impression of uh, basically giving Bottas three more points than um Lewis Hamilton, who is also fighting for the title, but so I suppose to his Botas. I mean, a, a definite bit of sportsmanship, but could it rue the day where they, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, it's points that they needed in the end? Definitely could. That day can come, and Toto Wolf admitted it. He said, we might be standing here in, 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 in Abu Dhabi at, um, you know, at the uh, last race and saying, well, those are the three points that cost us the championship. But you never know, and... Um, uh, Bottas said, the team promised me I'd get my spot back. I'm fighting. He's in the title fight as well. He might as well turn it around, you know. And he said, the team promised me. The team stuck to its promise, and I'm happy. And Lewis Hamilton summed it up with one sentence. He said, I'm a man who keeps his word. I do love to get the European, co- the, the perspective that yeah, she gives good. us. Especially she's there. I mean, you know, yeah. she gets a, a flavor for what's going on. She's out and about, like I said, um you know, tearing up Budapest as we speak. But it's great to have her on the show. So we've got one more clip. Yeah. I want you to set this up with Joe Rotman. This is really, this, this is, is a huge a big, deal. Big story, American yeah. moving into the world championship in MotoGP. I did this, I did a, a full podcast, so look out for that. I've already put it out, and we'll put it out on YouTube as well because I spoke to Joe in Barcelona. But they just announced, Joe went over, having won the American championship, the 600 Soup Stocks championship. Um, he then went over to Spain this year and teamed up actually with another American, Jason Arubi, uh, in the national championship in Moto2. So he's been riding Moto2 bikes for AGR. Um, but then Yoni Hernandez, a former MotoGP star, just wasn't cutting it, was down in 20th place with 16 points, has been let go by the team, and they've brought Joe in starting next weekend at the Czech Republic. So tune in. I really do, uh, you know, employ you to do so. He's 20 years old. He's full of it. Uh, he's a great kid. He's another Joseph Newgarden in his own way. Uh, but this is Joe Roberts from California, having just made it to the World Championship. 
Hey, Speed City fans, we've got a very special podcast this afternoon because we are calling Barcelona because the news has just come through to the United States that Joe Roberts of California in the USA will be riding in the World Championship, which is, I know, an ambition that he's had for a long time. And so delighted to have him on the line here. And Joe, uh, you've been racing in CEV in Spain, but uh, this, this really is a dream come true, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. I, I, we've had pretty good uh, year this year. I've scored two podiums, and uh, every weekend I've, I've gotten quicker and making progress. Apart from Valencia, where I I came down with uh, strep throat, which wasn't too fun, but uh, we're making a ton of progress with this bike. And every time I get on it, I seem to learn something new about how to go quick. And the opportunity came for me to 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 do the next five rounds at the world level and. I figured I'll probably learn some more if I go and ride with some really good riders. So, um, yeah, it's it's amazing to get this opportunity, you know, because I've wanted this ever since I was a little kid to to race in the you know the world level of MotoGP. And I mean, it's the start, and everybody starts somewhere. So I'm really really excited to to go to Bruno, which is actually one of my my favorite tracks on the calendar, and where I uh, won my Red Bull Rookies Cup race, so it's kind of special to go there and have my debut be there. Well, you just uh, nicely segue to what I wanted to uh, sort of let let the, our audience know a little bit. For, for those that don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, going back to the Red Bulls, uh, Red Bull Rookies, because you've already been a champion in Moto America in the stock 600s. You were a Red Bull rookie. Why don't we give a little potted history uh, of how you got to first of all, you know, how you sort of started and how you got to uh, race in Spain. Well, yeah, so back in... So that is part of a longer interview, which I'd like you to go and listen to because his history, his story, he was one of the Red Bull rookies um, starting out in the day. So he's had a lot of international... He's raced against a lot of these guys. But bottom line is he is racing against Alex Marquez, Mark Marquez's brother at Bruno. Says it all. It's going to be yeah. tough. It's going to be very tough. Yeah, and that's that on our SoundCloud account right now. So check us out on SoundCloud. And we've got... And by the way, that's a reminder that we're gonna we're now doing at least one podcast a, a week in between the radio show, and this and it's week, not just for Kevin Kelly. It's not, <laughs> but we but, but but we want him to listen to. It. <laughs> we do, we do want Kevin to listen. But we this week we'll have those two: the full Inga Strecka, which is like fifteen minutes, and also the full uh, Joe Roberts, which is like twelve, thirteen minutes as well. But. Uh, so we're going to do that every week. So, but also check us out on our website. We're about to wrap up the show here. And, and if we, you want us to talk about something, if you want us to pick a subject, tweet yeah, us. Let us know. Us. We'll talk about I it. I want to do a podcast on the new Tesla, the new Metal 3, man. If you've been thing. to any big balls around the world, <laughs> yeah. tell us what you were wearing. <laughs> and, and you could tweet that at Kevin Magnuson, what you were wearing. <laughs> <sighs> what a day. What a day. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to Speed City. We'll talk to you next week. SpeedCityBroadcast.com. Go fast and hard. Take Talk with you anywhere. On your computer or smartphone, log on to Talk1370.com. A beautiful, beautiful site. Stay connected with Talk 1370, the right choice. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.